following episode of an evening at the movies focused on epic franchises that's right star wars harry potter the hunger games scream back to the future and maybe a surprise or two so sit back and enjoy as we pay tribute to these franchises that we all know and have loved with all of our hearts throughout the history of time Welcome back to everybody's favorite movie-based podcast. This is An Evening at the Movies, and I am your incredibly gracious host, Casey. And this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down soda and discuss the movies that we love and why we love them. So, with that said... Um, I know this month we were supposed to be doing epic movie franchises, but, um, the other night there was, uh, unfortunate incident that happened and, um, one of the three biggest influences educationally on my life back in high school. Um, Dr. William Carter passed away and um, I would like to take the time to pay tribute to somebody who had a tremendous impact on my life from, well, my last two years of high school since I had him for junior English and then, well, on up through graduation and even after that um, into my adult years as well. Um, so basically, um, yeah, that's the reason why I decided to call an audible on the schedule for this week and basically we're going to pay tribute to doc carter tonight and probably depending upon how the next few days go then um i will get back to the regularly scheduled episodes of an evening at the movies so but Tonight we are going to um, discuss, obviously, the man who was Doc Carter, and um, we are going to look at one of my all-time favorite movies about the education system. And that movie is uh, Lean On Me. So um, that's the plan for tonight. So um, basically not everybody that listens to this 
episode of An Evening at the Movies is going to be somebody who has come in contact with or had um, Doc make a significant impact on their life. So um, I want to take a couple minutes to let you people know who never had the chance to sit in his English class at Aberdeen High School, just exactly who the man that we're talking about and paying tribute to tonight was. Um, So yeah, he was, I don't necessarily have all the intimate details of his career and whatnot, but um, he was a lifelong part of Aberdeen High School. Um, Whether that's where he spent his whole entire career at or not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I do know that he spent minimally 90 plus percent of his career teaching at Aberdeen and that was where I first came in contact with the man um I had him junior year third period junior English and literally honestly first day of school I my educational experience would never be the same again um doc was one of those teachers who didn't always follow the norm um i think honestly for my 12 year public education system I think I only had one class ever where we never sat in conventional rows of desks and, you know, eyes forward looking at the back of the person in front of you's head. And that one class that we didn't sit like that was Doc's class. Uh, We sat in a circle and the reason that I was told for that was, well, there was a couple of reasons. One, it made for easier discussion when it came to discussing whatever the subject of the day was because you're not looking at the back of your head or trying to listen to somebody who's sitting behind you you literally in the entire classroom everybody was i mean worst case scenario you had somebody sitting a couple of desks away where you might have had to lean forward to look the person in in the face but for the most part yeah you're in a circle you can see everybody you can clearly hear everybody um it created an environment where it fostered open discussion and clear discussion and that was one of the things that he was incredibly big on um even to the point where um every day uh, instead of taking role or um, matching a name on a seating chart to somebody actually physically sitting in that desk, we started the day off with, or the class off with a question of the day. And it literally could range from anything under the sun it didn't have to specifically be one 
certain thing per se, but um, it was his way of getting everybody to openly use their words and as well use their ears and brains to communicate and absorb what everybody else was talking about and I know for myself and I've talked to several people that I went to school with and it's pretty much a common theme that I don't think anybody that ever had doc for a class was opposed to this. It was nice to have something unconventional that would help break up the monotony of the same uniform coming into class, sitting in a row of desks, looking at the person in front of you, blah, 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 blah. And it made for a classroom environment that definitely felt incredibly open and free, if that would be the right word to put it. Um, So yeah, and that was one of the things that he was big on. It wasn't even after question of the day when you got to the subject matter for the day, it wasn't just always him standing at his podium or standing at his desk or, and that's the other thing too, is um, he always had some kind of music playing in the background to, to help. I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, it helped create a calming environment. I mean, obviously it wasn't music like, you know, Nirvana or, you know, whatever, but, you know, for the most part, it was classical or something new age even, but, um, yeah, it helped create a certain level of comfort inside the classroom that you didn't always get from a different more traditional style classroom so but back to the other thing that I was saying too was um, after question of the day his actual events for the class you know lecture whatever and it wasn't even really a lecture per se because most everything was um student-led um he had different points that he would bring up that would help steer the conversation and uh keep everybody on task to where if the topic started rain or veering off in a direction that wasn't productive to what the objective of the day was, then normally within a statement or two, he could wrangle it back in and get everybody back on topic. Um, Sorry, I'm not trying to stumble through this, guys. It, it's this is something that has hit me pretty hard, and I'm trying to make sure I use the right words <laughs> because he's definitely somebody who deserves an unlimited amount of respect and I don't want to 
disrespect him in the fashion of using the wrong words to talk to you guys about the kind of man that he was and the kind of impact that he had on myself alone. But, um, so yeah, that basically was my high school experience with doc and honestly it for a long time after high school I would see him in passing at the store or at the gas station or wherever and we'd always exchange you know hellos how you doing whatever and didn't really go much further past that because you know at times life can get busy and you don't always have time to stop and smell the roses but um definitely shortly after i got my social media account and i was building my friends list um I reached out and sent a friend request to him, which he promptly accepted, which legitimately didn't surprise me because he's that kind of guy. But um, the fact that he did accept my friend request actually meant a lot to me because... Um, it would allow ourselves, him and myself to engage in some pretty significant conversations over the next several, well, from the time that we became Facebook friends to ultimately, I think the last time I talked to him was... Oh, four or five months ago. But, um, yeah, we engaged in conversation where, and even there was times when we would talk that he would bring up things that we had talked about even, or that had happened in my, I mean, we're looking, you know, 20 some years late. I mean, the last, one of the last times I talked to him, he brought up stuff about things that happened in my specific class junior year and knew what period it was. He knew who said it. He knew that I said it or, or if I said something or he knew details about my personal life that he and I hadn't even discussed in 20 what this would have been 90 93 94 so 27 years 26 27 years so I mean the fact that and like I said, the guy had a incredibly long, 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 long career at Aberdeen and probably taught thousands upon thousands of students. But so I never in my lifetime ever would have expected him to remember what period I had junior English or something that, you know, somebody in the class had said or something that he and I had discussed at the time. But the fact that there'd been 27 years since I'd had him as a teacher and he still clearly remembered without having to be prompted by me or led by me 
down that road. Things that, honestly, I probably had no business even remembering. But that's how important each and every one of his students were to him. It didn't matter if you were the smartest kid in the class. It didn't matter if you were at the bottom of the class. Per se. I mean, I, you guys understand what I'm saying. I'm not going to use the, the D word because that was something that he didn't believe in. None of his students, none of the students, period, at the school were dumb. They may not necessarily be on the same level, per se, as other people at the school or even in class, but everybody had their own unique abilities and everybody brought those unique abilities to the table and helped to build and foster a environment in the classroom and even at the school that um, help make the school and what it was and help make the classroom what it was. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't want to sound rude or selfish or anything, but I think a lot of the details about, especially the stuff in the last few years, I mean, I will share with you guys the fact that um, two things was um, very early on in the development stages for an evening at the movies. He was somebody that I had talked to and we were having a laid back conversation, you know, about what was going on in each other's lives and I had brought up the fact that I was working on developing this and this was one of those things that he brought up that he and I had talked about 26 27 years ago where and haven't discussed it since but he knew how much I loved movies and how passionate I was about movies and I had told him the idea for the show and he was incredibly incredibly encouraging and gave me his full support and encouragement and that was something that um, I greatly appreciated because there wasn't a whole and I wasn't necessarily going out fishing for support or advice or anything of that nature, you know, I, but the way he presented that advice and support was definitely refreshing and it helped inspire me to continue to work and develop and I'm going to continue. I promise every person that listens to this show that I'm going to do anything and everything I can to continue to work and develop and make this show even better. I love the show so much as it is right now, but I truly feel that it can be so much more. And it's the encouragement of you dozens and people like doc who encouraged and supported me unwaveringly that make me want to keep working and striving to make this show the best that it can be. And I promise you guys that as long as there's air in my lungs, I will do everything in my power to make sure that we do our best to try and deliver a top quality show each and every week. So, but the other thing that I wanted to share before 
we move on to the movie was the fact that um, he going all the way back to um, junior year, he and I had had discussions about um, he knew I loved to read and but at the same time he and I had also had a conversation about how much I love to write and especially the last few years while I've struggled with um, trying to get this book finished that I'm working on now he's been there to encourage and give me as much advice as he can whenever needed and he's somebody who I always always felt comfortable asking you know for advice on well what do I do if or what do you think about you know I'm struggling with writer's block and he would have a different suggestion or two about things that I can do to hopefully help alleviate that problem and granted they didn't always work no thing no idea ever does work 100% of the time but um Yeah, I basically what I'm getting at is as far as this podcast and my writing goes, he is a huge part of whatever comes out of both of these endeavors. So, um, yeah, as for the re- a lot of the rest of the memories and stuff that I have, um, yeah, I think a lot of that stuff I want to keep for myself, at least for now. Um, no, if I did, part of it is it's still a little bit too soon, and I'm still kind of in a state of shock. Because Doc was one of those guys that you always thought was going to be there no matter what. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this part of the show up. And I just wanted to say uh, rest in peace, Doc. Um I'm not going to say goodbye because it's not goodbye by any stretch of the imagination. I know there will come a time again one day where we will see each other again. And hopefully you have question of the day ready because come that time, I am going to be ready, willing, and able So, until we see each other again, thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a mentor. Thank you for being one of my three most favorite, four, well, yeah, four most favorite teachers that I ever had throughout my 12 years of public education. Um, Rest in peace. So, um, at this point, I, I want to take a brief break and I will come back and we will get into lean on me. So I'll be back in a minute, guys. All right. So let's do this. Um, lean on me released March 3rd, 1989 directed by John G. Abelson of Karate Kid and Rocky fame. 
It was distributed by Warner Brothers Studios. It had a $10 million budget and made approximately $31 million in 1989, which translates to approximately $67 million in 2021 standards. So, the movie stars Morgan Freeman. As, well, okay, before we get to this, I'm going to take it's a movie about a high school, and there is a lot of people in the cast, and I'm not going to go through and list everybody in the cast because we'd be here all freaking night long, guys. It, it, between students and teachers and blah, 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 and every, yeah, it, I, basically for this section, I'm going to just go with the key components to the cast, and then we'll move on from there. So, um, cast, Morgan Freeman plays Joe Lewis Clark, Beverly Todd plays Mrs. Joan Levias, Robert Guillaume plays Dr. Frank Napier. Alan North plays Mayor Don Botman. Ethan Phillips plays Mr. Rosenberg. Lynn Thigpen plays Leona Barrett. Robin Bartlett plays Mrs. Elliott. Michael Beach plays Mr. Larry Darnell. Sandra Reeves Phillips plays Mrs. Powers. Tony Candyman Todd plays William Wright, Dean of Security. And Jermaine Huggy Hopkins plays Thomas Sams. And then Karen Molina White plays Kanisha Carter. So, for the most part, that's the majority of the cast that you need to know to fully comprehend what we're going to go through with the plot here. So... All right, so Lean on Me is a 1989 American bi- biographical drama film written by Michael Schiffer, directed by John G. Avildsen and starring Morgan Freeman. It is based on the story of Joe Lewis Clark, a real-life inner-city high school principal in New York, Newark, New Jersey, whose school is in danger of being placed into receivership of the New Jersey state government unless students improve their test scores on the New Jersey minimum basic skills test. This film title, the film's title refers to the 1972 Bill Withers song of the same name, which is used in the film. So By 1987, the once successful Eastside High School in Patterson, New Jersey has deteriorated due to drugs and crime. The majority of students cannot pass basic skills tests, and even the teachers are not safe from gang violence. Mayor Botman learns that the school will be turned over to the state administration unless 75% of the students can pass the minimum basic skills tests. He consults with school superintendent, Dr. Frank Napier, who suggests the school hire elementary school principal, Joe Clark, a.k.a. Crazy Joe. A former teacher at Eastside High who is now the... Okay, I can't read my freaking words. Um, A former teacher at Eastside High as the new principal... Reluctantly, the mayor hires Clark. Clark's immediate radical changes include expelling 300 students identified as drug dealers or abusers and troublemakers, instituting programs to improve school spirit, including painting over graffiti-covered walls and requiring students to learn the school song and be punished if they cannot sing it on demand. When one of the expelled students is found beating up another student, Clark orders the doors to the school chained shut during school hours since funds are insufficient to purchase security doors. Some parents react strongly to these measures, including Leona Barrett, mother of one of the expelled students who presses the mayor to oust Clark. Clark's radicalism causes him to come into conflict Conflict, conflict, 
conflict with members of the faculty, particularly English teacher Mr. Darnell, whom Clark suspends for picking up a piece of paper during a recital of the school song, and choir teacher Mrs. Elliot, whom Clark fires for being insubordinate after he cancels a pre-planned choral event, the school's upcoming annual Lincoln Center concert. Napier sets Clark straight over these incidents and lectures him to start being a team player. Clark subsequently reinstates reinstates Mr. Darnell. Clark's actions begin to have a positive effect on the students. Uh, Thomas Sams, a student expelled for crack use, pleads to be allowed to return to school and gradually reforms. Clark also reunites with one of his old elementary school students, Kenesha Carter, with her estranged... Clark also reunites one of his old elementary school students, Kenesha Carter, with her estranged mother. Unfortunately, a practice test skills... practice basic skills test fails to garner enough passing students. Clark confronts his staff for their failure to educate their students and to prepare them for the world. He institutes a tutorial program to strengthen academic skills and encourages remedial reading courses on Saturdays, which parents may attend alongside with their children. When the minimum basic skills test is finally assessed, the students are much better prepared and filled with a sense of self-worth. Before the results can arrive, the fire chief raids the school and discovers the chain doors. Clark is arrested for violating fire safety codes. That evening, the students gather at the meeting of the Patterson Board of Education, where school board member Leona Barrett is leading the call for Clark's removal. The students demand that Clark be released from jail and retained as principal. The mayor has Clark released from jail to urge children to return home for their own safety. He is then interrupted by assistant principal, Miss Levias, who reports that more than 75% of the students have passed the minimum basic, minimum basic skills test. He announces the results over his megaphone. As a result, the school's current administration remains intact and Clark is allowed to keep his job as principal as he cheerfully informs the mayor to tell the state to go to hell. The students break into their school song and celebration. The film ends with the senior students graduating high school and Clark handing them their diplomas. So a lot of that may have come out of order per se, or wasn't organically flowing, but um, it pretty clearly um, illustrates the flow of the story. So, um, I'm not necessarily going to go into favorite lines and whatnot. I mean, it may briefly come up through this, but I'm temporarily for the day going to change this to um, significant moments. And We'll go through a couple here really quick. And um, so the first significant moment in the movie for me was the opening of the movie. You get to see the um, illustrious, strong, quality high school that is Eastside High. And... From the opening scene, you move right into what the current present day high school looks like. Graffiti all over the walls, garbage all over the floors, um, fights in the halls, assaults in the bathroom, um, teachers getting assaulted in the cafeteria and having their heads slammed into the floor repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again. Um, 
you definitely get a clear picture through the first, I'd say probably five to six minutes of the movie, how, um, a happy and peaceful high school can definitely deteriorate into one big, huge, hellacious nightmare. Um, Yeah, the next significant part that I wanted to bring up was um, uh, Mr. Clark's first day on the job. No, second day on the job, because it's after he kicks the 300 kids out. Um, he arrives at school the next morning at 6 a.m., because that's when he gets to work, and uh, Thomas Sams is sitting on the steps at the front door waiting for him and he begs and pleads and begs and pleads and begs and pleads for Mr. Clark to let him back into the school and he and Mr. Mr. Clark ends up taking him upstairs to the roof and um, basically Sam's got kicked out for smoking crack and Mr. Clark tells him that he's killing his brain cells and ultimately he's killing himself. The only difference between killing himself with crack or just jumping off the roof is he's doing it slower with crack and he spends the majority of the altercation encouraging Sam's to jump off the roof and kill himself. I mean, obviously, Mr. Clark, in many ways, is an incredibly significant asshole-ish bully. But... Truthfully, I honestly think he cares about all of his students. But there are some obvious issues that are causing the students to not be able to get the education that they deserve and need to get to become productive members of society. After a significant period of begging and pleading, um, he agrees to let Sam's back into school. And he tells him he's going to be watching him like a hawk. And if he slips up even in the slightest, he'll be on the first thing smoking out the freaking front door. And then he sends him back downstairs. But, okay, for me, rewatching this movie last night, for this episode, I actually caught something that I have never, ever caught before in watching. And I've seen this movie hundreds of times. But um, after Sam's walks away and goes to walk back downstairs, Mr. Clark actually lets out a huge, huge sigh of, to me it looks like a sigh of relief. Like, oh my God. That was so close to going the exact opposite direction that I wanted it to go. And thank God that it didn't. So, like, through all the rough, gruff, asshole, bully tactics that he uses, there is moments where you can tell just how much he cares about his students. He doesn't always go about it the same way that, you know, or the right way, per se, but, um, let's see, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the next ones, I mean, after everything's gone down and Mrs. Elliot's been fired, 
Mr. Darnell's been suspended, all of that, and you have the face-to-face between Dr. Napier and Mr. Clark, and wow, the way that both Robert Guillaume and Morgan Freeman play that scene, it's intent. They're both in each other's face. They're beat by beat. The lines are being delivered at such a pace that you can sense the aggression and stubbornness in both of their characters. And I think the significance of that being that um, it helps to foster the redemption of Mr. Clark as we get into the back half of this movie. Um, even so much that like one of the next significant scenes, um, it's, oh, I believe right after Mrs. Powers has rewritten the school song and, um, he's walking down the hall and he bumps into a kid by the name of Kid Ray who is basically, he's coming to have a conversation with Mr. Clark and let him know that he's dropping out of school. Well, as he puts it, I'm moving on. I'm not, I'm not dropping out. I'm moving on. And, um, ultimately what it boils down to is kid Ray had been out of school for a couple of days because he was the kid that was getting, aggressively assaulted by one of the 300 kids that had been kicked out on the first day and ultimately come to find out um, Kid Ray has, well, it's speculated that Kid Ray was dealing drugs in the school after everybody had been kicked out. And, um, I think the whole idea is is he feels that being out in the real world he can make more money and he can invest more time into doing the things that are making him the money. But um, ultimately the main piece of the conversation is that Mr. Clark, you know, lets him know that, you know, if you do this, you know, you're going to be dead in a year. There's no happily ever after when you go down this road. And generally, for the most part, there isn't. You will either end up in jail or you'll end up dead. And he tries his best to convince him that this is not what he wants to do and this is not going to help him. But ultimately, he ends up his words end up falling on deaf ears and Kid Ray ends up walking out and dropping out of school. So, um, uh, let's see. I think the last part that I'm going to bring up for significance is the test day pep talk that he gives the student. Well, okay. Before we get into the test day prep talk, I want to bring up the fact to we go back and we did the comparison and contrast between the two different versions of the school. Um, you go back and look at the day one assembly after Mr. Clark's been hired as principal. That um, auditorium is kids smoking in the auditorium paper being thrown all over the place it's unruly and by the time we get to the actual test day and he walks into the auditorium it's quiet 
the kids are sitting in their chairs waiting for the assembly to start. And it's just, well, it's day and night compared to what it was, you know, an hour earlier in the movie. But um, the speech he gives the students before they take the test, it's incredibly moving. Um, Talking about how nobody gives two shits about any of the students in the school. They're all being written off and the best thing that they can do is take, go out and go into classrooms and take the test and um, prove the people wrong and I can't do justice by the speech. It's an incredibly moving speech, which as we addressed earlier is concluded with the, well, the assembly is concluded with um, Mrs. Powers singing uh, her version of lean on me. I know kind of cheesy, but you know, for the moment of the movie and what is about to happen at, it definitely helps create and foster an image of exactly what the staff and administration and students would have been going through at that time. They're all in the trenches together. The students are the ones having to do the work. The teachers are the ones having to provide the students with the tools to do the work. And the administration is having to support and encourage and give the teachers everything that they need so that they can pass on the tools to the students so that they can pass this test and hopefully not end up losing their school to the state. So, um, okay. So review, uh, I mean, oh my God, this movie is so freaking incredible. I don't remember the last time I have cried so much in a movie. Well, I mean, more than likely it was probably when I rewatched the green mile for Stephen King birthday bonanza month. But yeah, this movie, I don't care how many times I see it. I, this movie moves me to tears every time. I mean, it didn't as much when I was younger. But, you know, maybe I'm becoming an emotional wreck as I age, but you know what? I don't care. This movie has heart as far as the battle between Mr. Clark and Miss Barrett. Um,. The production staff helps to create uh, the perfect gray area for them to battle in. I mean, make no mistake about it. For 99% of the movie, Mr. Clark is an insufferable dick. And Miss Barrett is in the right to act the way that she does. Um, And, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know most of you parents would act the same way that Miss Barrett did if you were dealing with uh, an, an administrator or teacher that acted the same way that Mr. Clark did. Um, ultimately, what it boils down to, though, is um, the redemption is the piece of the story that is where it's at for me. Eastside's redemption, Mr. Clark's redemption, all of it. This movie is incredibly uplifting. It may not be rainbows and sunshine to get from the darkness into the light, but it delivers on every level, in my opinion. Um, Morgan Freeman is... This, I believe, is the first movie I ever saw Morgan Freeman in. And 
he delivered a performance for me that I will never not respect that man's work. He's an incredible actor. He is an incredible voiceover. If that man wanted to narrate my life, I would let him follow me around and narrate my life. And I'm sure most of you guys would too. But, um, yeah. So, uh, Mr. Clark is notorious for carrying around a megaphone and using it to help make his voice louder so that as many people as possible can hear it. So that's our point of reference for my review. And I'm going to give this movie a four out of five megaphones. So, um, yeah, that was lean on me. I would like to, as always, thank the dozens for coming back and listening each and every week. You guys are amazingly tremendous and you guys are the reason I keep checking out this episodes of this podcast. Um, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we've got uh, Hunger Games 2 still coming up. Um, we're trying to get schedule situated to where, um, Amanda can drag her husband over and come on the show and we can discuss back to the future. If that doesn't happen, um, there's a very real possibility she and I will discuss, uh, the first Karate Kid movie or I will do a solo on Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then we will conclude this month with the bridge episode, which is going to be yippee ki motherfuckers. That's right. We will be discussing Die Hard. So that will get us through epic franchises, and then we will roll right into our month-long look at holiday episode. Well, a whole month of holiday episodes plus my brother's birthday episode, which, yeah, we'll discuss that at a later time. And once Amanda decides what her birthday present movie episode is going to be, then we will let you guys know that one as well. So, again, I would like to say Thank you, Doc, for being the amazing mentor that you were. Thank you for being the awesome teacher that you were. Thank you for being a friend. It was honor. I am truly and deeply honored to have called you a friend. And you are going to be missed until we meet again. So rest in peace. And hopefully... Someday, not so soon, but someday we will see each other again. And as for the rest of you guys, I hope you guys have a good night. And I hope you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good night, guys. Call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We don't need.